This is Anthony and Tamanek, and welcome to showbizmonkeys.com. Around the stone, I'm alright. Around the stone, I'm alright. I mean, no consequence when you're playing with the fire. Move. How are you? I'm doing okay. Just finished uh, shooting our special. We actually just finished uh, last night, so... Definitely a little spent today. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, yeah. So is is this a uh, president show-related special? Yes, this is the next president show special. Um, I can't really, I don't think I'm able to, like, discuss much about it yet because Comedy Central hasn't done its official release, but okay. there's another one in the works, is what I can say. <laughs> okay, well, that is still very good to hear. Before we get into all the uh, President Trump-related stuff, which has certainly taken over your career the last few years, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your career before that, especially in improv. Sure. How did, uh, how did you first get started in comedy? Um, well, I started in college. I mean, professionally, I mean, I was in a college comedy group in, you know, Emerson College. And okay. I started doing improv and sketch. Um, and then I moved out to Los Angeles and did a PA job. I PA'd a uh, production assistant for the fourth season of Mr. Show. And that was when I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I don't really actually want to work as a production truck guy. I want to do comedy. So I uh, figured out that it was best for me to move to New York. And I joined the Upright Citizens Brigade. And I started improvising there in about 2001. And then that uh, that continued. I was in a group called Death by Ruru, which is a really popular long-form improv group. And um, I then got hired to play what they you know called like a featured extra on 30 Rock. Uh-huh. And I worked there for six and a half years and had a line in the finale. <laughs> One line. And then I actually moved on and I did a very weird gig where I worked for Glenn Beck's The Blaze, uh, which is a right-wing channel or, you know, Glenn Beck's channel, but they yeah. had this, like, weird comedy show on it uh, that a lot of UCB people worked on it, and they offered me a job, and I requested in my contract that anything I did couldn't go against my political beliefs. <laughs> and so they agreed. And okay. Weirdly, this sort of, like, I think my favorite bit was at one, it was like a panel, like, they always had, like, panelists, and uh-huh. I, every character that I would play, I would talk shit about Glenn Beck on his own channel. <laughs> And uh, and they, they were fine with it. To their credit, they were fine with it. And so that sort of carried me through sort of probably the like, weirdest time in my career. Uh-huh. But it also was, in a weird way, a great incubator for being able to like put on a character, like being told I'm playing Gargamel today, so I have to figure out how to play Gargamel or whatever from, from the Smurfs. Um, yeah. And uh, then I, I moved, and then I just started, you know, I was doing a little work for uh, Comedy Central, doing punch up for uh, Abby and Alana's uh, miniseries, Time Traveling Bong. And I was getting parts on my friend Julie Klausner's show, Difficult People. I was just generally working kind of as an actor and improvising. That leads up to Trump, basically. Like, I remember hearing about the early days of the Trump versus Bernie debate. I'm here in uh, Winnipeg in Canada, and James was here for one of our festivals and was doing Bernie. And so because I had heard about this whole thing, it was exciting to see him do Bernie. And then I started to seek out the Bernie versus Trump stuff online. And yeah, very, very early on, I saw how chillingly accurate 
uh, your your Trump was not just in you know the voice and that sort of thing, but the essence. You were you were able to get the entire essence of Trump in. I mean, at this time, it was just video of you at you know small venues where probably yeah. the the accuracy wasn't necessarily as important as say when you're doing a national television show. Yeah, but obviously it was to you. So how did how did you? first decide to get into that character and then um how was it once you started playing it regularly well it's interesting so uh like i said i think weirdly that blaze show plus i had a variety show i did with john gamberling who plays steve bannon Mm -hmm. on uh, the president show among other things that john does he's so uh, talented um you know I, i i think that i always sort of had always pursued the idea of character as something that is uh, rooted in, I guess, essence, what you said, which is that you want to sort of play from the inside out. And if you give the inside first, then like usually it becomes sort of a multi-ported access point where like if I'm digesting and then pushing out the perspective or lens that the person has and I'm accessing it within myself, it should be pretty easy for me to then speak as and improvise as that person, right? So I did so much of that for so many years. And then uh, I was improvising in uh, August of 2015 and Trump had announced like, you know, two months before. And someone said, Mr. President, in a scene, they initiated Mm -hmm. a scene, said Mr. President. And uh, I thought, oh, that'd be funny to pretend I'm Trump and I'm president. So I went out and did, you know, probably some ballpark of doing Trump was, I think, pretty exaggerated. And, but it was, it was funny. And my friend, Shannon O'Neill, who's the artistic director at the time of the UCB was like, you should do a show as Trump, like a solo show. And I was, I was, I'm no, I was known around the theater for sort of doing these pop-up solo shows. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the show in seven days and, and really only two days. I just thought about it for five. <laughs> and I went to this show and that show became basically the root genesis for everything. I mean, that, I took that show, which was predicated on the idea that he became president. It was set in March of 2017. Uh-huh. And I spoke about the election and everything that happened. And I actually predicted a lot of what ended up happening. And James, who's an old friend of mine I've known since 2008, James was doing Bernie in LA and we would write each other and go, man, we should do a debate between Trump and Bernie. And then he came to New York and we arranged this debate and had uh, Mark Oppenheimer, who writes for the New York Times, we got him to come in and moderate. And then the Trump versus Bernie model was born, where we were like, let's get always a serious sort of either a really great comedian who we make them play the straight man to us or a real journalist. And let's have them actually moderate the debate. And then we'll do this sort of two man, one man show. Mm-hmm. And James and I literally built, we built the show like the way Homer built a poem. Like we never really, I never wrote notes. <laughs> I had the whole thing up in my head. Uh-huh. I would regurgitate it every night. James was very copious with his notes and was, you know, constructing bits. And I was learning from James and James was learning from me. And I think in that process, we decided that it would be important to, or at least for me, watching how James was, I was like, it's so important to be accurate, but it's also important to embody. And I think it's a lot of accessing oneself. Like, you know, you have to have empathy for the character. And so therefore I have to find the parts of myself that are him. And that's both therapeutic and can also be disturbing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that it can be disturbing because you're bringing parts of yourself up to the surface and you have to, you know, that's the job of an actor. You have to bring those parts up to the surface, but you have to have the ability to sort of have them integrated, but not taking over who you are. 
And so I learned a lot about myself while I was doing it. I also found some liberty in the fact that I could kind of say and do whatever. You know, that was also crazy, you know, to sort of be like, oh, with Trump, you can really say whatever because he's so, you know, off the cuff and nuts. And um, I think I I remember one show in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where I remember doing him and it felt like I was almost like sitting inside like a vehicle. And I was witnessing, like, I was, like, listening to myself going, my God, like, this is actually running itself, and I'm kind of not talking, you know? I was like a passenger within myself. And I started to think about that process and how can I, like, sort of sit back and be a passenger and let this part of myself take over and let that uh, play out and therefore uh, let the logic of the character play out. And, um, and then I studied him a lot. I watched a lot of rallies and, and just started to try to figure them out psychologically. And uh, that led to, you know, us doing the At Midnight debate on Comedy Central, which is one of their most hit videos ever. It's like 8 million views. Mm-hmm. And, and that led eventually to getting an opportunity to do the President Show. Watching all of those debates and really embodying the character like that, did that, I mean, you, you said you, you, even in the early stages, you kind of predicted, whether you intended to or not, predicted a lot of what happened. You know, being so immensely uh, immersed in all of that, did it give you an interesting and certainly different perspective on the state of America than probably a lot of the people you were surrounding yourself with? Yeah, I mean, I think what was interesting was going and doing shows for extremely liberal audiences. And, and I'm I'm a leftist, you know, myself, but like, I mean, I would say I'm beyond liberal. And uh, going to these audiences and the sort of smug security with which the audience had that he wouldn't even be able to be president. And mm-hmm. also addressing a lot of the systemic social issues in the United States that brought us to this place, you know, corporatism. Uh, infecting our political system, Citizens United being the greatest single violation of U.S. sovereignty in 225 years, 26 years. You know, the abject issue of race in this country and the blight of slavery and the treatment of a black population in the United States. These are things that this liberal audience didn't want to hear. They didn't like it. They didn't like hearing that, you know, that they also are part of the problem. They wanted to just be that we're righteous. And um, I thought that was a very interesting experience in the tour was seeing how broken it was that like people just believe that they were right, but don't want to have to do the work to be right. Like, you know, it's one thing to go, well, I believe everyone should be treated equally. It's another thing to actually put that into action every day. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing for, you know, uh, white liberals to sit there and go, of course, I believe in diversity, but be the first person to wonder why that black guy is hanging out in front of their apartment building. And I thought that we needed to examine that and and that in any relationship and in any experience in life, you have to clean your house first before you start cleaning someone else. And I think that we uh, have been leading up to this for decades. And I think that Trump is a manifestation. It's the boil opening up and the pus oozing out all over the United States. And just because it oozed out and burst doesn't mean the boil wasn't developing over a long period of time before that. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest warning I had before the election and the thing that we maintain in the show and in this special is that Trump is not the source of the problem. Trump is a manifestation and symptom of the problem. And his presidency and everything he's done so far 
is not some anomaly. It is the Republican agenda. It is the right-wing Republican agenda in this country, and it's the corporatist agenda of both parties. So the idea that people are apoplectic about Trump, yes, of course, he's scary, he's weird, he's frightening, he's, you know, he's a racist, he's a lunatic, he's all this. Yes, as a person, there's all those things. That has nothing to do with the problems that we're dealing with. And that is what's amazing to me, is that every system from the media to the, the party system to everyone is pouring everything into Trump. And then what's going to happen is he's going to go away and they're going to pull the best heist ever sort of sociologically, which is that they dumped all of their mess into this person. Mm-hmm. And then they walk away and go, look, now we can return to normal. But normal is a corporatist, warmongering, sexist, racist, white supremacist system that has been reinforced for for centuries in the United States. And that needs to change. Not just we need to get rid of the big fat orange guy. (laughs) That's like the, the least of our problems, in my view. Showbizmonkeys.com